Hello and welcome to episode 45 of GameSpot After Dark, GameSpot's official video game podcast. Joining me this week is Callie Plaguey. Hello. Michael Hyam. What up? And Khalif Adams of Spawn On Me. We've been trying to get you on for a while. How you doing? I'm good. I'm super excited to rock with you all today. I am very, very happy to be chilling and doing this show because I love you all. I love your work. You've all been fantastic in the space. So getting a chance to hang out with y'all is going to be really, really dope. Well, we're happy to have you here. I think I think I can speak for a lot of us too by saying we love your work as well, and we're very happy to get this going. Like, this Word. Is, it's going to be a good episode. Uh, oh yeah, because you're here, and also because there is a big game that we are allowed to talk about, but <laughs> we have to be very careful what we say about it because I feel like talking about this game is going to be like walking through a minefield. So we'll yeah, be, uh, we'll be very careful, but. We normally start this show with a segment called the Chris from Dayton, Ohio segment. And this is where our guest explains who they are, uh, what they do, and their favorite games. Callie really wants to sing the little song, so go ahead. (laughs) Chris. We don't do that that much anymore because since we've been doing this, since since COVID and everyone's been stuck at home, we've been kind of not really doing guests mostly because I don't know what the hell I'm doing half the time. But we finally got it working. Uh, But anyway, Khalif, who are you? I am Khalif Adams. I am the runner, the owner, the producer, the on-air talent for the Spot Me podcast, uh, the premier podcast spotlighting people of color in the video game industry. Uh, we've been doing that show for about six years now. Uh, in my day job, I work over at Intel in their community uh, department. I guess that's the way you'd want to call that. Um, and yeah, I'm from the Bronx, New York. I'm out in Portland, Oregon, and yeah, kicking kicking behind out here in the gaming industry, trying to make BX all day. For everybody, BX all day. What up? I got my Tim's on underneath this desk. You can't see it, um, but but it's real in the field right now. Uh, what about games? Like what 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 are some ah. games, consoles, or whatever that you the, you, you will for always... context, Khalif, the the original email we got from Chris from Dayton, Ohio, I yes. love telling the story. People who've been listening, I'm sorry you've heard it a thousand times by now. But the question posed to us by Chris from Dayton, Ohio was, who the hell are you? I don't know who the hell any of you are. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they were a Giant Bomb listener and Giant Bomb ran ads for this podcast. And they were just like, all right, another podcast. I'll give it a listen. And, <laughs> God, I felt that so hard. And the question included, like, what games are, like, your tentpole games? What games do you return to? So that's that's the context there. Also, that sounds like an email that my mother would send me. Like, who the hell are you? Like, what are you, <laughs> what are you doing and what do you want here? Um, <clears throat> uh, games that I love. I, I'm a huge Metal Gear fan. I love that series. That's something that I've always enjoyed and, and really have loved. I love old school titles, like real old school. Like one of my favorite games on the planet is Run and Gun from Konami because um, I'm, a, I'm a child of the arcade era. Uh, so so that is a huge part of my life. Big fighting game fan. So I love Mortal Kombat. That's my favorite series. I'm a huge MK fan. And I like kind of offshoot games, too. Is like I love music, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> music games as well. Um, a game that most people don't know about or haven't paid attention to that is one of my favorite of all time is a game from Q Games called 4AM that came out some years ago on the PS3, which was a music uh, uh, kind of performance game that no one really bought. 
but it was super dope. It was like we used the move controllers. It was like spatial uh, in the way that you kind of manipulated the audio and you had an audience that would watch you, but you couldn't see them. So they were kind of just like bar graphs on a screen. And when you saw them get really excited, then the bar graphs would kind of raise up and down. Um, definitely go check that out. It's on YouTube somewhere. You can definitely find that out. But it was it was one of my favorite games. So lots of different things and lots of different genres uh, for in terms of games that I love. Just to bring it back a little bit to uh, Kojima and Metal Gear and stuff, one thing that I think I forgot to tell you is that you helped me a lot in Death Stranding. I don't know if you know this, but, <laughs> but your bridges and stuff, I remember going through that game and be like, oh, that's Khalif, that's Khalif. Thank you so oh, much. Yeah. You just saved me right there. Hell yeah. I, I mean, I love that game. I know people hate on that thing. God, I you know, love that game. I yeah. love that game. Death Stranding is super dope. Like, you know, and that was one of the things that I took away from that game was like, I'm actually doing something and helping someone else out in the space. So like, if I can help do that, then this game is for me. I'm totally down to, to do that stuff. So I'm very happy that I got to help you cross all those muddy waters <laughs> and, and all those ravines and getting Dude, you to where you needed to go. That game is just so like earnest. What an earnest, like heartfelt game. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that game is good. <laughs> for sure. Uh, I just want to say one thing about Spawn of Me uh, for the audience that might, uh, the GameSpot After Dark audience that might not know about it. Uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna pitch it to them is that y'all should be listening to Spawn on Me. Not because <laughs> not because I was on it. Like, look, listen, this isn't an exchange or anything. Uh, but uh, I have actually been a fan. I talked about this on the episode, but uh, I've been a fan of Spawn on Me myself and I can vouch for Ka when he says that y'all should be listening to Spawn on me. Uh, it's actually, uh, I, uh, Danny O'Dwyer put me on when he, cause you were on the lobby in 2016. I'm old uh, school, game spot, baby. Let's go. Yeah. It was you and you and reef during uh, GDC, uh, 2016. I saw, I saw both y'all on lobby and I was like, Ooh, I gotta check out Spawn on me. So Dang, I've been I was, rocking with him since I was there. <laughs> yes. I just don't, I, I was like, I was still an intern, so my head was down just editing things. I don't remember anything that happened. Oh in wow! Sixteen. <laughs> shout out, shout out to Mary Kish and Eric Tay uh, for for rocking the booth that day uh, and, and making it all dope. It, yeah, that was that was a surreal moment, and, and massive love to Daniel Dwyer, who I love with my whole heart, um, for for bringing us on it and having that conversation. Because honestly, that was one of our that was really our big break in a lot of ways where uh, we got a chance to be on a major stage like that, having really good conversations about what we do. So I, I owe Danny much, much, much love for, for, for giving us the chance to do that work. Yeah. Danny's great. I yeah. selfishly miss working with him, although he's doing like so much great stuff with no clip and whatnot. It's still uh, madness. There's still some days where I'm like, man, I wish Danny was still here. <laughs> that uh, great. Love that but i mean i guess just a quick plug is the play for all stream we're doing he's actually going to be on the stream on friday and we're going to play like skateboarding games tony hawk maybe skate i don't know we can talk about it at the end but danny <laughs> will be on GameSpot again very soon nice. uh but anyway let's move on to what we've been playing uh michael do you want to kick this off i figure we'll save last of us for sure. last yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, so, I mean, I don't have uh, too much uh, more to say. Since last week, uh, I did put up my Valorant review in progress, and I see that, Jake, you've been playing Valorant? What the hell? Not, <laughs> I played with you. I played, I played with you. <laughs> wow. Wow. I totally wow. forgot. Wow. Uh, we were pointing noobs, man. <laughs> that Matt Padgett being like, uh, he's, not, he's not toxic, but. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, I've been playing more Valorant because I need to finalize that review, which will I I will be doing this week. And uh, I, I've I've 
the more I play the agents, the more I understand their their specialties in a match, like how to use them and how to use their powers in relation to your other teammates. Because I think that's where the where the depth and where your success kind of comes out of is not just understanding your how you use your your own agent, but how you use it in conjunction with everyone else. Mm. Um, and when those things happen, like Valorant is just like it's just hitting on all cylinders and. Some some nights you just got rack up hella W's. Other nights nothing but L's. That's kind of just how it is, man. Like, uh, it's something that I think folks should understand going into Valorant if they don't haven't experienced CS in any sort of way. Uh, that that shit can be hella frustrating. But um, when that game is clicking, it's it's really clicking. But like I said last week, it's fairly bare bones. It's four maps, one mode. The agents are are. I like how they function. Some of them just aren't for me, but I see other players playing as them in effective ways. Uh, but I found like a th- the four or five agents that I definitely like. I know that I can get a grip with them and find some success. Uh, also, what I'm starting to learn too is that certain agents are very effective on certain maps, mm. and that's that was that was a cool, a really nice uh, realization. Uh, a little bit of a more tactical layer, but overall, I like it quite a bit. Um, but I said this in my review in progress that. It has so much potential to be great. It's just not there yet. Uh, but the foundation is very strong. Like that game is a lot of fun and frustrating in equal ways. But you kind of understand that going into it. Yeah. I don't know. Well, what was your experience like been so far outside of us poning noobs? <laughs> I mean, as someone who never played CSGO, I immediately was pretty interested in it just because I mean, sure, I've played tactical shooters before. Like I play a lot of Rainbow Six Siege, but it it was different. It felt very different. And I'm enjoying learning that style of tactical shooter. I guess there are still some things that like, I, I feel like half the agent's abilities is to throw down a colored ball of smoke. Sure, <laughs> and it's yeah. just like that's, every that's, game, that's it's like, I've got green smoke balls. I've got white smoke balls. I've got purple, purple smoke balls. And it's just like, uh, like, okay. It, or, or it's a, it's a, it's a wall that someone throws down, which I think are great. Like it's a lot of fun using those abilities to your advantage and how you can place them in different areas and how you can pretty much just cut off entire sides of the map. Mm -hmm. Like that's pretty fun, but I still, I I stick to, I think Sage and Reyna and that's about it. That's all I can do. Yeah. But I'm having fun overall. I I think you're totally right though. There, there's a lot that I want to see in this game maps in particular, because there are four maps, one of which I've only played once, which is Split, I think, and yeah, I've played uh-huh. the other ones a ton, and yeah. I'm already kind of tired of them, and maybe that is partly because playing a lot of Siege, like, those maps are so dynamic, and they change so much depending on where you're starting, where you're attacking, like, what operators you have, what, what operators, walls yeah. you can blow open, while this is like, all right, we do an A, B, or C, uh, or yeah. some maps just A or B, uh, which... Yeah, I, I, yeah. It's fine, but I just I I need more maps, I think. I need more maps and I also need to get good, but that's another story. <laughs> yeah, I th- I think in the in the age of Rainbow Six Siege that I I love like Counter-Strike is my shit 100%. That's always going to be my favorite multiplayer game. Uh but in the age of Rainbow Six Siege, I think it's uh it's they're going for a certain thing, they're nailing it, but uh, it's not going to click with some folks, uh, especially if they play uh, a bunch of Siege. So. Especially Taking like running and gunning. 
Just be sure to read our updated review of Rainbow Six Siege on GameSpot.com. It got an essential 10 out of 10. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. That game is, that game is on point. <laughs> but you should also read Michael's Valorant review, which will Facts. be finalized probably by the time you listen to this <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Uh, since Callie's on this podcast, I'm going to update her on where I am at PS with PSO2. Yeah. <laughs> I am well, not hold, that. Hold on. have you had a chance to play Valorant Oh, at sure, all? yeah. Oh yeah, I think I think Valorant should have a <clears throat> a, a notification or a disclaimer on the on on the digital code that says if you're over forty, you should not play this game <laughs> because <laughs> f you and your eye hand coordination being old, fam. Uh, yeah, I played it for like three days and was like, nah, I can't do it. Like, well, plus I have to I have to disclaimer. I am new to PC gaming in a real way, so like I am a console junkie in that way and have moved over to pc so keyboard and mouse i'm still learning how to actually like function in a reasonable way while doing that so it is amazingly frustrating to try to play a game that is so so uh dependent on your eye hand coordination with a mouse and keyboard uh to be able to play that stuff but i did have fun in some of the matches when we were winning when we're losing i was like i'm just old I don't know what to do. Like I can't, I can't like Shang Tsung myself into being younger and then figure out how to, how to actually have skills to do this thing. So it, it's fun though. I appreciate what people are able to do. It actually gives me a lot more um, um, love for people who have figured out how to play on mouse and keys and have been good for a long time and, and that stuff. It's giving me a bigger appreciation for that for sure. Like I am no longer like you keyboard and mouse people are cheating. I'm like, no, you have lots of skills and I can't get there yet. So it's it's pretty dope. I uh, actually went through something similar because I never played PC until I started working at GameSpot. And I was like, mm-hmm. all right, I should probably figure this out and get on board. And what helped me a lot actually was playing through the Wolfenstein and Doom games on PC. Yeah. Because I could manipulate difficulty. I could change the keys. And like it was it was somewhat forgiving, but it also was pretty difficult. Uh, mm-hmm. So like, and, and I think the checkpoints, especially in Wolfenstein, are pretty generous. So that actually helped me a lot. I still suck with mouse and keyboard, but uh, <laughs> I recommend checking out some of those like id software Bethesda shooters because for some reason those really nailed the whole mouse and keyboard setup in my head. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I played a little bit of, a little bit of Doom, uh, Doom Eternal with mouse and keys. I made sure not to stream myself playing that while I was doing <laughs> while I'm learning because <laughs> do not need hard. that heat. Do not need that heat in the chat. So, uh, but totally good good recommendation for that. Yeah, I mean, Quake have it I, like id software games have that legacy on PC too, which, which to me makes them feel really appropriate. I played Doom sixty four, so I played that with a controller. But my my dad played a lot of Quake, and had mods and stuff back in the day. And like Quake's the re- like a big part of the reason PCs come with graphics cards now. Like a graphics card is a thing you have in PCs, so like that that legacy it, it kind of feels right, just like mm-hmm. in your spirit. Yeah. to play those games on PC also. But I I like the my PC habits just are wholly dependent on my living situation because I had to switch to PC completely in college cuz I couldn't fit a TV in my room properly. <laughs> so then I played like Skyrim on PC and stuff and that was very weird. <laughs> what what button is the force do raw on on a, on a keyboard is it like it's like x or something it's like, <laughs> yeah it's something weird i don't remember it'd be a function key just to fuck with you just like, oh, what is it? oh it's f4 why why but anyway uh, Callie's dad is also our call of duty correspondent by the way occasionally he'll uh come on the podcast just to mm-hmm. just to tell us what he thinks of the new updates oh that's oh, dope yeah. that's dope oh, yeah. i appreciate my, that my dad has a storied history with shooters 
And now he gets to see that Black Lives Matter splash screen when he logs in. So that's pretty dope. Mm-hmm. How, I mean, yes, Call of Duty is a vehicle for the U.S. military, a recruitment vehicle. But pretty cool that it has, you, like my dad sees that when logging in. Yeah, oh, it has hell yeah. a lot of reach. So Yeah, I mean, like. Yes, I I will. I know people have been talking about, well, it is kind of like this tool for the U.S. military. And it's like, I acknowledge that. Look, but it's it makes, really cool that like that's on the main TV in my parents' house. If it makes yep. little 10 year old Brent have to go ask his parents <laughs> about what Black Lives Matters is, that is a win. Go do it, Chandler. Go do it, Brent. Go make Jayden, that call and Bryson. make that Bryson. <laughs> go do that make that conversation happen that is a win for us i don't care <laughs> anyway michael you were going to give me oh. an update on <laughs> yeah man i'd rather have all that happen for, than me talk about pso2 for context, we like took it in six different tangents <laughs> I, really no, I love that shit man i love it that's what we're known for uh the yeah. context here is that michael is a machine and is working on not one but two reviews Due to him being uh, both a shooter expert, a CSGO boy, and an anime yeah, king? Man. No, no, king, no. I'd, I ca- I, I'd call Jordan. Prince? He's Jordan is anime king. Okay, what are you? I'm like anime apprentice. Because uh, honestly, yeah, sure. Like he calls himself that. But actually, that that's me. Because uh, like you, actually, Callie has been very uh, f- uh, instrumental in my my transition into so the weeb world. No, no, no. You no. hate to see it. You love to see it. <laughs> Fuck you talking about. You love to see it. I love to see it. Um, but yeah, PSO two man. I you know I I've been seeking a lot of time into Valorant, and I've been doing a lot of things um, out in the world. Uh, during this time so i haven't had like that much time more time to put into pso2 but i'm getting there i'm getting there it's kind of i mean i know my review in progress is not up yet but uh i don't think that game is great i appreciate that it exists and that it has been localized 10 years later but you talk about like games trying to understand how to play games on a keyboard and mouse just trying to understand how to navigate that game has, has been a pain. And I, I'm probably like, I think I'm like level 40 something at this point. Cap is 75. Uh, so I'm pretty deep into it, but there's so much going on that it is like a product, not of 2010, but it's a product of like the mid 2000s that it just has so many systems in place that aren't uh, facilitated well. Um but I mean, it's fun and it's got anime stuff. Like today, they they put in the Goro Majima skin, so I'm down with that. Wow! So uh, that yeah. automatically bumps up the score. Disclaimer: yeah. It does not. That was a joke. Yeah, it was a joke. <laughs> and next Wednesday, uh, next Wednesday is going to be a Vocaloid concert, so you're going to see Miku and Luca in there. So I mean, you love to see that. You, I love to see that, but uh, I don't know. Still plugging away at PSO too, uh, and then. On the flip side, an uh, MMO that is uh, much, much uh, better in my opinion. Not to hate on PSO2, but uh, during these times, I think it's very important to find comfort when you can. And I think that I find a lot of comfort in Persona games and particularly Final Fantasy XIV. I've talked about it many times on this 
podcast, and I will continue to talk about it for the rest of my life, <laughs> that Final Fantasy XIV brings me great comfort in many ways because it's, uh, it's I mean, it's an MMO, so it feels like a home. And when you invest 500 plus hours in, a, in an MMO, it will feel like a home. So it was really, uh, really soothing to go back to that world, listen to the, that music, and then hit up the, the free company, be like, hey, what's good, fam? Ah, 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 you know what it is? And... <laughs> Just like live in that world again. And uh, there's some folks who are still going through it too. And I think I, I reflect on particularly the particularly the expansion Stormblood. Uh, uh, Final Fantasy XIV Stormblood is about starting a revolution and overthrowing uh, your oppressors. And back then when I played it, back then last year, uh, when I played it. <laughs> yeah, you talked about it on this podcast, I remember. Yeah, I cry, almost cried about it you on did. this podcast. You did, yeah. And that wasn't a year ago. It was last uh, year, but not a year ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I think about that a lot and just how bold the messages are in Final Fantasy XIV for an MMO and how, how, how its story like puts its foot down and says, fuck this shit, eat the rich, overthrow the government, and um, defeat attack and dethrone god that is literally <laughs> every final fantasy but final fantasy 14 in particular you attack and dethrone god multiple times and that's that on that and that's that on that I'll, i, I, I yield of, my time i kind of love that someone can walk up to mike and say so when were you radicalized and you were like yo <laughs> final fantasy 14 we talked blood. about that we talked yes, about yeah, that. exactly. He's like, yeah, Persona Five and Final <laughs> Fantasy Fourteen radical, radicalized me. <laughs> not, I want that to be your protest side. <laughs> well, I want that to be your protest side. You walk out into the to the to the no. streets and be like, "Yo, I was radicalized by Stormblood, fam." <laughs> what? Anime I'm gonna, radicalized I'm gonna, me. <laughs> I'm gonna have Steam keys on my on my sign. Oh my god. Did you see? Oh. I, I said this to John Luke. I saw a protest sign that was like, I could be playing Shin Megami Tensei right now. Oh, Instead, I'm out wow. here protesting you fuckers. Yeah. Wow. So good. So folks need to get their shit straight. And I was like, this is you. Was this you? <laughs> nah, I'm a, I'm a little bit more... Uh... No, not you, John Luke. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's an SMT boy in in, in a respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. but uh, That's amazing. But, uh, Take me to the streets, also. So, uh, but I will not talk about that here, um, in case the feds try and track me down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, I yield my time. Khalif, uh, you've been playing Disintegration as well, which is a game that we should probably talk about a little bit because that comes out soon. It comes it out, out pretty soon. I think uh, it comes out next week. Are we even on, allowed I, to talk about this. it? We are. are really. These are up. The embargo okay. lifted this morning, um, being Wednesday, and the game comes out on 16th. the sixteenth. Sixteenth, yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, super super fun game. Uh, really digging it. Uh, we had a. <clears throat> we'll be doing a uh, an interview with Marcus Leto uh, coming up tomorrow on our Twitch stream. Uh, so we'll be doing that front page of Twitch. Have that up and play some some single player stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's this really interesting hybrid of a first person shooter and an RTS game, which I think was something I hadn't seen before. Um, and, and the the quick TLDR is that it's pretty damn good. Like I'm I'm digging it and finding out that I didn't know this was a game that I was going to like, I was in this space where I don't have a MOBA to play that feels good because Paragon is dead. Rest in peace, Paragon. Shouts out to Paragon. Mad Paragon, son. Yo. Um, 
and that that was my game of choice for a very long time. Uh, and I'm still finding, I'm still looking for something to fill that void. And I feel like disintegration may be that thing for me that's going to fill that space where you can have the competitiveness of an MP shooter, but also have a, a reasonable single player campaign that also has like really interesting commentary about humans and, and the way that they interact with each other and the way they interact with the world. So those, those check off a whole bunch of boxes for me for things that I like. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to dig into more of it. I played some of the single player, but I'm kind of holding off until we do the live stream so I can like have an actual, like at, in, in real time reaction to the things that I'm going to be playing. So yeah, it's pretty dope so far. I'm digging it. We have a review up now. Ah, and by Mike Epstein, a freelancer for us, and he liked it. It sounds really interesting. And one of the things that stuck out to me about the review was he was talking about different difficulty levels, um, kind of fine-tune whether you're doing more strategy versus more FPS. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you lower the difficulty level, it becomes more of a shooter first and foremost. It, the strategy element doesn't go away, yep. but... Um, you can kind of fine tune how much FPS you want it to be in that respect. Um, and I thought that was super interesting. Um, yeah. So I'm really intrigued. Sorry, Jake, I, you actually played it. So. Oh, I, no, I just played the, the you beta. Played the beta. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and and I wasn't super into the multiplayer, but I think it was like, I, I was curious about the world. The world seemed interesting, but the multiplayer didn't quite do it for me. But what I was going to say is I think it's interesting that the Marcus Leto, one of the Halo creators is fusing fps and rts when you look back at the original pitch for halo one which was an rts game and mm -hmm. then they shifted to a shooter so i i think that's i don't know kind of like an interesting full circle there but yeah. also not really because kind of taking cues from both genres uh so yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious to play it like i am definitely interested in what the story has to offer i don't know if the multiplayer is going to be quite my thing but I, I rarely get into multiplayer games apart from like Rainbow Six and, you know, a little bit of Valorant now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the community takes to it. I feel like the folks who are already kind of in those hybrid spaces and looking for something that may fit that mold, mm -hmm. they may be in for, for a good treat. It's just a matter of, of how much, you know, how, how the community kind of comes to it and how many people are like actually on servers. Because it, it is a weird game where marketing for it is out there but it does feel like it's not getting the top billing that it probably deserves yet um so that's going to be a hard thing to do with games that we're going to talk about in a little bit coming out fairly soon too so uh, i figure they're going to soak up a lot of that energy that's going to be there for them so uh, we'll see what yeah. uh one more thing about disintegration though like because i when i played the beta i felt like the the i think there was only one mode that it offered in terms of multiplayer mm -hmm. uh and i was like I, I get it, but it felt a little plain. Uh, sure. What is the, how's the competitive aspect, like the competitive multiplayer aspect been? Um, I mean, I haven't played since the beta. Um, so I know they've had some some press only nights where people have gotten, gotten on it and uh -huh. got some games in. I, I just hadn't had a chance to do any of those. I know that there's more than one mode now. Uh, or at least there, there probably was, but we just didn't get a chance to play it in the beta. Sure, yeah. uh, but there's a couple of modes in there. I think one's probably like the, you know, kind of capture the flag, bring it from one place to another to to the goal line. And you kind of having that tug of war between the factions that are on the, on the field. And there's another one. I just can't remember which which one it was. But I think the, the thing that's going to push that game forward is once people kind of figure out what the, the meta of that game is going to be with the factions that you're going to wind up using, because each one has a very specific and kind of, uh, a, a very specific use case 
uh, once people figure out what those are going to be, then people will try to figure out what their gameplay styles are going to wind up being. And then we'll see that stuff kind of like proliferate throughout throughout the community to see how it's going to work. So uh, we'll, we'll definitely have some time because I feel like there is this interesting gap between games right now that we're going to see where some folks are definitely going to dip in and then put their toes in there and see where they're going to land. So uh, we'll, we'll see when it drops. It's going to be fun to see what happens. Yeah. Callie, before we talk about The Last of Us, do you want to fill us in on what you've been doing on Nukazon? <laughs> yes. Uh <laughs> I play Animal Crossing every day, as you all well know, and um, lately I've been getting really into the meta of Animal Crossing, which takes place on a little site called Nookazon. It's a fan-created website, and it's super impressive. Um, I was very resistant to it at first, mostly because I'm like, I should be getting these items myself. I should be patient. But no, I'm like, I want this DIY recipe and I want it right now. So <laughs> I started doing it and I I'm, I think it's fascinating how it works. So basically you can um, go on the website and like enter in every item that you have. Um, and like from clothing to furniture to like How long did that materials. take you out of curiosity? <laughs> Several hours. Wow. <laughs> Um, so you can, you can go through your catalog and see what stuff you do have and then, um, create a wish list of things that you want. And then you can go through your wish list and like, say you want like a certain sofa or something. You can click on that sofa and see everybody who is uh, selling it. And it's, it's never for real money. It's like in game, like you could pay bells or you could pay with a Nook Miles tickets, or you can trade for wishlist items that they have. Um, and so there's this really fascinating economy and etiquette on the website. So like I've had a lot of people, I've done a lot of trades so far in like the last week. And um, like everyone is extremely respectful of your island. Like people do not go past the first couple steps unless you explicitly give them permission. I have this area at the, I've had it for a while, this like free DIY recipe area at the front of my island and nobody has touched it without me being like, oh, by the way, there's free stuff here if you want it. Um, and so then you wholesome. can, yeah. And then, so so the thing that I'm, I'm really into about it, I was thinking about writing something about this is like, it, is a it's a social platform like there is a social element to it and you connect with a lot of people that you don't know but the interactions are really positive and really respectful and that's not something you always get on twitter.com for example so <laughs> i have been really just i have been obsessed with it like one thing that people do is like they'll review you after the trade and at like as long as like the trade goes smoothly, nobody stole anything, like you'll get five stars and like people will rate you and be like, adorable island. Thank you so much. Like, it, it, like this is everybody on the website. Like it's a culture of being like five stars. This person is trustworthy. Definitely trade with them. They were really nice. And um, it's just really wholesome. And also I'm getting like mad items. So win-win all around i would highly recommend it if you haven't tried it yet it takes a little while to like set up if you want to go through and like enter your whole catalog you don't have to do that you can just enter your wish list and people can trade with you um but i found it to be helpful in like keeping track of what i have um when doing trades because i don't want to like spend a bunch of money on an item that i oh i already have this um and there's even 
like people will in will list like, oh, I have Celeste on my island today. You can come over and get a recipe from her. Or I have Sahara on my island come buy like rugs. And I've gone to people's islands for like they're they're like, it's free. Just come, you can come talk to Celeste. And like people are really trusting. And it has been so wholesome and wonderful. So it's like it's like next door, but for Animal Crossing. <laughs> <laughs> it's I part of it is it brings me I used to be part of like Animal Crossing forums in like the mid 2000s. So it brings me back to that. It's like the same energy of we're going to trade items and don't take my fruit like and there's like a whole guide and it's it's made it's fan made. It's like fan Mm -hmm. run discord and they have a whole guide for like how to trade safely, how to protect yourself, how to like the proper etiquette Um, like because people put a lot of work into their islands and I've known this for many years being an animal crossing player is you don't want someone coming and fucking with your Island. So people are very, (laughs) very conscious of like, I'm not going to run in your flowers. I'm not going to take any fruit. And then like, you can offer it like, Oh, please pick the fruit. And they're like, are you sure? Like, it's just, Oh, it's the best. I'm obsessed with it. I kind of, I kind of love that stuff because I'm a, I'm an Animal Crossing noob. So my island is trash bag, tra- trash bag status. Um, there's like nothing on it. It's just like I just have shit just thrown all over the place at this point because I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but I was over at, um, I was over on a- Animal Talking Gary Witter's show the other day. Ooh. And uh, you know, you walk over to where the set is and all the stuff, and and I, and I accidentally picked a flower, and I felt so bad. I was like, oh, no. Like, and I have a thing with symmetry, too. So I'm just like, oh, shit, I made your thing asymmetrical now. It's all fucked up. <laughs> like, I botched that thing. Um, and he was like, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. I felt, like, seriously guilty for picking this digital flower because I hit the <laughs> wrong button by accident and felt dirty. I was like, yo, I feel bad right now. So I get it. That's that's super cool. I love the fact that the community's kind of come around that thing and has found like an interesting way to have a safe space in a digital in a digital place. Yeah. Um, it's, so that's that's cool. It's awesome. I would highly recommend it. That's super cool. It's crazy to see how much that game took off like i i figured animal crossing would be a big success in fact i was on the video team telling a lot of people like hey we really have to cover this game because it's going to do well but it like it has gone so far beyond my expectations of what i expected and i'm sure nintendo's too just like i mean even like the fact that nookazon is a thing is is insane and the fact that like Gary Witta has started an incredibly successful talk, talk show all in the game is insane. And part of that is, you know, due to the fact of what's going on in the world right now. But still, like, it's it's absurd how big this game has gotten, especially like, sure, it was big when I played on GameCube and 3DS and whatnot, but it was not the same. <laughs> it was not the same at all. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a social phenomenon at this point. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. For sure. Totally. Uh, before we talk about The Last of Us, there's a couple things I do want to point out. Um, <laughs> the audience is like, for the love of God. I know. Can you They're, stop for the love mentioning of God. it and not talking so, about it? I just want to like get a few things out of the way. If you're worried about spoilers, don't worry. We're not going to talk about spoilers. We're not going to talk about the story. Uh, we're not allowed to. So you don't worry about any of that. We are just going to keep it very basic and surface level i would say for now however if you want to hear more in-depth thoughts we are going to do a spoiler chat once the embargo lifts or once the game is out excuse me once the game is out we'll do a spoiler chat so make sure to tune in for that and then the review goes up friday should be up today in theory um and then he doubts me 
No, no, no. I, I'm still trying to figure all this out in my head because we're going to have a spoiler-free review go up Friday, and then we're going to have a not so much a spoiler review, but it's going to be um, a review that digs more into the story. You can talk more about it. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I just want to pitch this because it is an unprecedented thing that we are doing for The Last of Us. Um, I've never myself done a review in this style, but. I think it serves the game well. I think it serves the audience that's interested in this game that really wants to just, hey, is it good or is it not good with no spoilers? That's what this first review serves. And that will be the review that's up today. And then um, at launch, I will have a more detailed review for those who... So it's not going to have like major spoilers, but there's going to be a little bit more that maybe if you you really want to go in without any knowledge... That's not the review for you, but this was this was a, a really tough decision, but I think that the game warrants this approach. I think there's a lot to parse here, and I would hope that that second review that's going up at launch will be something that people will read when they've finished the game and, and kind of want to, to sort through their feelings about it. Um, that's really all I can say about that reasoning, but... Um, <laughs> And sort through your feelings, you will. Yes, and I, I really uh, hope that you guys check out both reviews. Maybe that second review is not going to do as well um, right away because people want to play the game, but um, that is the approach. And and I should make it absolutely clear that the score is not going to be different. The score will not have the opportunity to change um, between the today friday and that launch review it is the same score and the same opinions just more detailed um because i feel that in being spoiler completely spoiler free i really can't express myself the way that i need to for this game so that's the thinking there's going to be a very clear editor's note um and an explanation of that so hopefully there's no confusion it's not like oh, and then at launch, suddenly I'm dropping the score. It's not like a gotcha in that sense. So, yeah. uh, oh, so Khalif, I noticed on Twitter that you finished the game today. Yes. So while your thoughts are still fresh, like overall thoughts on the game. I, I, it's This is one of the hardest things I've ever had to talk about because I swear I feel like the Sony Illuminati is going to jump out of a bush. Yeah. And try to snatch me up if I say anything that seems like it's going to be like an actual, actual thing. It's great. It's a really good game in a lot of different ways that I didn't expect. Uh, I feel like it does some really good things with tying up loose ends. And I think it does, you know, from a visual standpoint, I was always blown away from the cutscenes that they showed throughout the the, the press releases and, and kind of the, the lead up to the game. One of the things I, I left coming away from that game thinking about was, my God, what is this thing going to look like on a PS5? What is this thing going to look like on new hardware? Because if it looks like this now on, you know, end of the life cycles, when you get the best of the best, usually now when you go and move into new hardware, what is this thing going to look like? Because I'm going to be like, all right, day one playing through this bad boy again because I have to do it because it looks this good now. It's going to look even better then. Um, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm really excited about actually is when people get their hands on this thing because there were a lot of questions from the end of the last game that people were worried about. And I think the biggest question that I think a lot of people are going to go into this with is, did this game d- deserve a sequel? 
right? It was the thing that everyone tried to figure out. Was this game one where, we, you know, it left on a fantastic note? And is this going to the well too too many times with a sequel? And I think that scuttlebutt in and of itself is going to be fantastic to dig through once people get a chance to play it and go through the whole thing. So as to not get sniped by by a Sony Ninja, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say for now. Uh, we'll, we'll, I'm going to try to get a, a review up that's kind of gives you some good points on some of that stuff before Embargo does, you know, right at Embargo as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear what everybody else has to think about it, too, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think personally, the thing that stood out most to me that I can talk about is just how fun the combat is. Mm. Like, like the combat was, I thought, pretty good in Last of Us 1, but I understand why people didn't like it or they thought it was clunky or maybe it frustrated them a little bit. Like, I totally got that. But I saw what Naughty Dog was going for with the first one, and I was like, okay, this combat works. It's very hefty, uh, and it, 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 it totally works. And with this sequel, I'm amazed at how much fun I've been having just loading up encounters and just fighting through enemies. Because mm-hmm. Ellie herself feels so scrappy. Like, she can she can craft different items on the fly and, like, set up traps. And you very much have to use this sort of hit-and-run tactic where you take out someone kind of noisy and then you sprint and hide and wait uh, for them to settle down a little bit. And then you go in and pick off another person. And that feels so satisfying but the weird thing about it is that it is also so brutal that i almost feel bad that i am enjoying this combat so much because (laughs) like i think callie you'd mentioned it before like occasionally an enemy will drop to their knees and and beg for forgiveness but i'm just so in the moment that i'm like oh we're gonna clear this whole place out but i'm like (laughs) hitting them with like spiked bats and stuff and like the camera pushes in as you can as the bat connects with their face and it is absolutely gruesome but it is fun. It is really fun. And it, it makes me bummed that there's no multiplayer component because yes. I think a multi, because I thought the multiplayer component in the original last of us was really good and not enough people gave it a shot. And I mm-hmm. like imagining what a multiplayer component component would be like in this gets me really excited. But at I, the same time, I didn't want naughty dog worked way too hard on this game as is probably don't. Yeah. It's, it, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say that fun is not has not really been my experience. Um, the first couple nights I played, I had nightmares. Wow! Um, because I was playing for most of the day, so mm-hmm. I ended up having to um, space it out a lot more. Um, it's very intense, and I found myself. I mean, it's very tense. Also, I just felt very tense. Totally. And I feel like like fun, fun is not the word that I personally would use to describe how I felt about it. Like the, the combat in particular, Ellie, yes, is very scrappy. I, I, I played on hard and I, I felt like every, every combat encounter I was like, barely scraping by is how I felt like just every every time I got out of a fight I'd be like oh my god okay um I definitely got that too because I I I was playing on survivor and oh my god you're both mad people what I I did it my first playthrough I was like I can do this and it was probably a mistake like if you're picking this game up day one I would not recommend doing survivor first playthrough because I died a lot and like Kelly was saying every after every battle I was like 
I'm amazed I made it through that. But part of me really liked that too. You know, it, it, if you play on the harder difficulties or if you adjust some of the difficulty, it's not throwing all these bullets and stuff at you. Like you really have to think how you're mm-hmm. going to take down enemies. And it does feel like a puzzle. It's like, okay, I've got two bullets. I've got enough to maybe make a Molotov and maybe I can make a smoke bomb. How can I get past like six enemies with that? And then you kind of have to decide like, all right, who's the biggest threat? Who's, who's not so much a threat? And then you have to kind of navigate through that area. And I found that super satisfying, which is a big reason why I liked Last of Us 1 so much on harder difficulties. Uh, and I think it works even better in Last of Us 2 because the arenas are so much more open and they allow for more exploration and there's like different routes throughout it. Um, anyway, sorry, Callie, continue. Oh, um, yeah, I was just going to say, I, I was very, I was, I had a hard time sleeping after playing. I, part of the problem is that I was working all day and then playing at night. I, I typically don't have time during the day to play the games I'm reviewing. Unfortunately, I do a lot of the playing after work. Um, and that meant I was playing at night and I was having a hard time sleeping. I ended up having to play animal crossing to sleep um detox with the animal crossing that's fantastic yeah and and i think because i i was very emotionally invested the the tricky thing is that that there's a lot of very brutal violence like it isn't even just like enemies that beg for you to spare them it's like you shoot someone and if you don't get a headshot, they like scream Mm -hmm. or you can hear them drowning in their own blood or you can see someone's face when Ellie stabs them in a stealth kill, like because that's the way the camera's oriented. It it is really graphic and I, I don't know that that was the reason I was so invested in the story. I I feel like, Mm -hmm. like, for example, the girl who's playing the Vita that we all saw in that trailer or extended gameplay, I guess, Mm -hmm. that's just a cutscene. I had no choice about what was going to happen to her. I just had to watch Ellie kill her. And, And that was the stuff that impacted me and drew me into the story a lot more than the things I was doing. I just found it Like, I found it satisfying to successfully navigate those arenas. Like, Jake's talking about, like, figuring out how to get Ellie from point A to point B without dying, with limited resources. I really like playing stealth, so I had a field day, like, trying to figure out, okay, you're here, but you're coming this way, so I I have to use an arrow. I can't, you know, or whatever. Um, But I found a lot of the things that I had to do to be really unpleasant in a way that I, I don't know if it serves the story necessarily. Um, I think a lot of that stuff, the, 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 the gut punches and stuff that happens in cutscenes. Um, mm. so, you know, like the introduction of dogs is a great example. I think much, it, it much was made. A big deal was made about killing the dogs. It's, Probably not as many as you think, but, um, I don't, what I, I do and I don't see the point of that, um, as far as like how the gameplay brings me into the story. That's something that's really important to me in games. I really love it when the gameplay is an active part of the narrative. I think 
one of the things I find that's so important in games is because that's something only games can do when mm-hmm. they're telling a narrative. This is something I've talked about at length about Undertale. I think like Undertale has to be a game, you know? Well, same with like the first Last of Us too, right? Like one yeah. of the big things about that game was that the gameplay was so heavily tied into the narrative and it all made sense. It wasn't yeah. just like, all right, kill a room full of guys, then we're going to have a cutscene. Kill a room full of guys, cutscene. Because... In the first Last of Us, and I guess this is spoilers for the original Last of Us, <laughs> um, you know, you, you get to the end of that game and you are so attached to Ellie and you want to protect her and you want to save her. And you you know that Joel is, is making a, a bad decision, a, a, a morally gray, if not poor decision. But you are right there with him and you want to make that decision with him Mm. because you want to save Ellie. And that was, to me, something that was so powerful about The Last of Us was that, like, I I wanted to do that. You know, that's kind of fucked up. Like, I wanted to do that. The thing that I experienced in The Last of Us Part Two is more often than not, I did not want to be doing the things that I was doing. And that... And the thing is, like, I did them because I wanted to know where the story was going. I was so invested. But when it came to when it came down to, like, actually doing the things that, like, you don't have a lot of choice in the matter. Ellie is very angry, as has been touted in the the pre-release material. I was just like. God, I wish I could reach into my TV and shake her and tell her to go to <laughs> fucking therapy because I like don't want this is I know this is bad news. And it wasn't like the first Last of Us where I was like, this is bad news, but I get it. Yeah. The Last of Us yeah. Part Two is more like, oh, we could be doing literally anything else right now. <laughs> um, yeah. And so it, it, that's really hard to marry with the satisfaction that you feel from overcoming enemies um, with the discre- destruction you leave in your wake and wondering what the point of that destruction is. So that's my biggest um, sticking point. It, it feels a lot like when I, especially after you just shared that, and it makes me reflect on the time that I had with it. It makes me feel like Last of Us 1 was the road in a lot of different mm-hmm. ways. And Last of Us Two is John Wick in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know what I mean yeah. in, in that in that way. Um, and yeah, so I, I totally get that that idea or that that concept around like the things that you're doing. It's a means to an end in a way that doesn't feel great uh, if you're not a mass murderer. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it, it, it's totally I get that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, and like, uh, sorry, go ahead, Jay. Oh, I, I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying. Like I def, I, for background, I've played the game about two and a half times now. Um, and I will say like on this second playthrough, I found it, uh, I gotta uh-huh. be careful with what I say. Uh-huh. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, but, but I, 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 I totally get what you're saying and I agree with you for the most part, but I do, I do get why that violence is there because I think it, it really wants to do a very specific thing that I can't talk about. I know <laughs> that's, that's the, it's like, really killing me. I know I'm it's with killing you, all though. of us, but, but I, I, I think it serves a purpose, all of that violence. And I think it is very powerful. And I think what it is able to do in the second half is, is incredible. 
but there are definitely times where I am totally with you where it's just like, Ellie, why? Like we, we didn't need to do this. Like we could have, uh, we, we could have done half this and it would have been, we, we could have made things Go work without this. Go to therapy. 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 There's no, the thera- there's no therapist in the apocalypse, damn it. I, but, but, go ahead, go ahead, Kim. I just want to uh, really quickly say that, yes, I think playing it again, I, I, I will say I think it is a fantastic character study. And I yes. am mm-hmm. so emotionally entangled in it in such a messy, complex way totally. that mm-hmm. I really do love. So it's a very complicated game. I didn't touch it for a full week after finishing it because I was just like, I need to breathe. (laughs) Like, I mean, it is, it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot. I, I, when I finished my first playthrough, I was like, I don't know if I like this game. Like I love, I love the combat, but I don't know if I like this game. Uh, It wasn't until like replaying it. Reflecting. In reflecting and like thinking about it more. And, and overall, I, I have to say, I think I, I, I think it's got moments where it almost hits the highs of Last of Us One, but overall, I think Last of Us One is a better game in my opinion, and it's a game that I still consider one of my favorites. I don't. It might be too early to say with Last of Us Two, um, yeah. but right now, I, I like I, I remember thinking about the first Last of Us game for weeks, if not months after playing that game and I, I would tell all my friends like you have to play this game I still do it to this day like I saw a friend today and I was like hey man you got to play The Last of Us now that you got a PlayStation <laughs> David Amati on our uh, video team I've been uh-huh. telling him to play that game for years and he finally played it a week ago and he was like holy shit I can't believe I slept on this game for this long uh, and I overall I, I don't think it hits the highs that Last of Us 1 did yeah. that being said I think People concerned about whether or not this game deserves a sequel or whether it deserves a sequel. I, I think it totally earns it. I think it, it, it go where it goes makes sense. And it doesn't feel like, oh, Sony just wanted another Last of Us game because the first one did well. Like, it feels like this game has a reason to be here and it has it, it has it has a purpose. Yeah, I think I think one of the things that I came away from it thinking about because I finished it literally like 2.30 this morning. Holy um, cow. Uh, Team finished it late at night, club. <laughs> yeah, but it did. Uh, thank you, headphones. Um, it, but it was one of those things when I when I went to bed, I was like, wow, Naughty Dog, like for all the stuff that they, you know, get touted for and, and making great stories, making great narrative and building good worlds around characters that you wind up caring about. I think they made some really bold choices, not only with the visceralness of the combat, but the 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 way that they've told this particular story seems not necessarily fresh, but I think it it, it hits notes that pull together really good threads for things that you cared about for a game that came out on the PS3, right? So it's like it's it's very difficult to 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 make that kind of seamless transition from one game to something that's been in development for a very long time. And feel like it is the continuous conversation that's happening around a story with the people in it um, that doesn't feel separated or, or or disjointed in any real way. Like they they told a really fantastic, cohesive story 
Um, and that to me is, is something to be celebrated in and of itself to say like, bravo and kudos to a team that has been doing this work really well for a long time with lots of people who had lots of ideas of what this game was going to wind up being just by seeing the initial uh, presentations for what got shown from a PR perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think they did a really good job uh, in terms of tying up all those things together and, and having a, a really smart, well done story that, that people can I don't know if you would necessarily relate because I don't think most people would relate, <laughs> but there yeah. are, there are parts of the story that absolutely will, 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 will like hit those those points for you. So, yeah, bravo to the team. They 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 did a fantastic job. I I want to ask Michael. We have to be really vague. Are we making any sense? <laughs> oh yeah, no, no no like real real talk. Like because I, I played Last of Us one, so this is all like. It's churning. And like I've been paying attention to the Last of Us 2 like preview stuff all the way up to this point. Uh, I think I said last week that I'm just I'm just ready to play this game because uh, it's kind of a known quantity. And then with what, what y'all are saying, I'm like, this all makes sense. Like I can see just from the preview stuff, I'm piecing it together. Uh, so yeah, like the the thing that y'all keep mentioning is like the way the camera works. Mm. I think that like camera work has been a huge thing and a lot of uh, like the way Persona 5 is able to communicate certain things with the way it uses camera work and cut-ins and all this other stuff to show, to emphasize certain things. I can see that. I already saw like in the extended gameplay that uh, they've shown before. Um, but yeah, just like I can imagine what it's like for Ellie to stab someone in their eyeball and be like, boom, motherfucker, stab you in your eyeball. Like, look at it. Look at the eyeball. I don't know if you stab eyeballs in there, but if you do... <laughs> I understand the way in which it's showing you that thing. And I'm someone who's like, yeah, I play a lot of shooters. And I think about like games such as Doom, where the violence is so over the top. It's so you're killing demons, you're ripping them and tearing them apart in half. And it's kind of like, haha, that's kind of funny, even though it looks semi, it has like a very realistic sort of look to it. But something about even just Last of Us 1, dude, like, Oh boy, especially that lat like the final final sequence that y'all were talking about earlier. It's the violence in a game like Last of Us in Last of Us Two is sends a very different message than violence you see in normal shooters. Uh, and if they're leaning into that, I don't think it's like I don't think I'm going to be comfortable with that. But I do. I what from what y'all have been saying, it sounds like that is part of the experience, and that's part of what they're trying to do. So. Yeah, it, it's definitely part of the experience. I I would just say, like, the the question is is how effective a part of the experience is it? Sure, yeah. And how, like, because overall, I, I really connected with this game mm. in, in a way that was, like, haunting to me. Sure, yeah. And mm-hmm. so I can't deny that. And, and like, I don't think that media needs to be happy or uh, mm-hmm. like, I don't think shying away from violence is necessary. I just, there's like a, a disconnect to me. Um, because I mean, I mean, it was really, it was just really hard to play. Yeah. I, I when you said that, like the, what you like most about, what I like most about games is when the gameplay connects with the message message that it's trying to send. 
so that's definitely something I'm going to be mindful of when I do play this game because that is like you met a you dropped Undertale name dropping Undertale. <laughs> you know all about that. Uh, but yeah, that that is a case in which those two are they're in tandem. They're designed in tandem. So uh, I don't know. Obviously, I haven't played Last of Us two yet, but uh, I am excited to sort through my own feelings because it sounds like y'all have still have a lot more sorting to do. <laughs> With your own feelings, uh, I, but yeah, that's exciting regardless. I just don't know how to talk about it. Like, without, it's hard. It's yeah. so hard. Like, but, I, I think yeah. the, the best way to sum it up is like what you were saying, Khalif. Is like, well, the first one was like the road. This is more like John Wick, and then what Callie was saying, like this is like first and foremost the character study, uh, and, and I maybe not first and foremost, but I think like that is the bulk of this story, and and I think it works. in, like you were saying, like almost hauntingly, it it, it works. Like. Yeah. I just want to see the folders in whoever's desktop that did the VO that's all grunts and screams. It must be like 7,000 gigs. It might be terabytes of grunts and screams that had to be in that thing. So many horrible screams. (laughs) And like... Gurgles. You probably have seen the, the like preview stuff where like people like all of the villains have or enemies have names and they'll like shout their fallen friends name. Yeah. And I'm like, like somebody had to like do, do a bunch of VO saying a bunch of different people's names as if they had died. Like yeah. that. No, is, Steve, not Steve. Yeah. And it's so. Did you it, feel like that was effective though? Like I know a lot of people were talking about that as being a part of the, that, the emotional feel that was going to bring you into the world in a real way. Did you feel like that actually affected you in a real way that see that is the most helpful question because that 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 is what i'm talking about when i talk about the violence not really getting uh, me there 100 percent of the way gotcha. i did not feel that giving them name like giving them names didn't change how i was like i gotta kill all of you like <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. i mean i first of all i have looting to do so you all have to die <laughs> Um, so there are gameplay elements there. Like it, oh, this is so hard to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, in one sense, yes, that was effective, Mm -hmm. but moment to moment, I don't think it completely hit for me. Um, uh, Uh I keep, I keep tabbing (laughs) over to the to like what I can talk about. And I'm like, <laughs> um, but it's so hard to explain why it's impossible. It's impossible uh-huh. to explain why, but, um, I will say this though, really quickly. I think that naughty dog missed a huge opportunity by not having one of the enemies named Felicia. So you could kill them and say, bye Felicia <laughs> during the process. Naughty dog, you yeah. missed the boat on that. And literally. Meanwhile, they, they managed to get in smash Brandy's cooch. <laughs> I forgot Whoa. that. Wait, I don't remember that part. Yeah. What? That was, that was like in a that note was in or the demo, I think. Right? At the oh. very, we even saw that in our preview. <laughs> At the beginning of the game, you can see somebody's uh, pornographic videotape collection, and one of the titles is called that's, Smash Brandy's Cooch. That's not even realistic. It, it should be like, I don't know, it's not even like Big Wet Butts or some shit. Like, come on, y'all. I like, mean, one or two. More but Jesus. Um, Wait, y'all don't know about that? Wait, I, I'm just making that up. <laughs> uh, Please don't look at my internet search. Anyway. 
So I'm just joking. They did manage. So they they could have put in a Felicia or whatever. I feel like I killed several Davids just and that's yeah. not that's not a spoiler because they are not actual. It's it's hard because like they're not like actually named characters. They're just like an, a a guy that you're like. Oh, they were really him. Eurocentric names too. That was an interesting thing. Now that we are talking about yeah. that, that's actually a thing to note. Is like you know uh, there was nobody with like an umlaut in their names or nothing like that. Like mm-hmm. there was none of the like actual like other people. It was not a very diverse name uh, a grouping when it came <laughs> to that kind of thing. Uh-huh. The, the, I, the game, I, I, it's weird because the game itself is like pretty diverse. Like the main yeah. cast is incredibly diverse. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you don't really kill a lot of people with not Anglo names. One thing yeah, I yeah. do want to say is, is I wonder if like, because I played on, Sur- playing on Survivor meant that I couldn't kill everyone and loot every area. A lot of areas I just had to run through. I had to like pick my battles and just run. So I wonder if like that sort of, I don't know, balancing act between the gameplay and the story worked a little bit better for me because a lot of enemies I straight up didn't kill because I, I simply couldn't. So it was like I only killed the people who were directly in my way or who I saw as a threat. Other than that, I would just keep moving, which maybe it is worth trying on Survivor if you're feeling confident because or if you're worried about the issue Callie's talking about because I definitely was not like clearing out areas it was i very much had to choose my battles part of the the thing that complicates that is the existence of collectibles and loot exactly and i screwed myself over so (laughs) it's not just the violence by itself it's how the violence interacts with the game's emphasis on exploration Mm. and collectibles so it's like i enjoy getting collectibles and i really like the you know, I loved the, um, oh my gosh, what was his name in the original Last of Us? Um, the Ish story? Ish. I yeah. loved the Ish storyline. And so I was oh, looking yeah. I was looking for storylines like that. So I was basically like swinging the camera around everywhere mm-hmm. I went, trying to catch things in my periphery. The issue with that is because the arenas are more open, um, and there's not a lot of collectibles necessarily in combat heavy zones but there are some some. so you have to check and that is that's where it trips me up because it's like okay in order to to loot and discover these like little world building tidbits i have to kill everyone and in order to get more materials i have to kill everyone um Mm -hmm. in, in most cases so that it's that interaction um, it's helping to talk about it because like we said at the beginning, it's so hard to parse, but, um, it's that overall interaction between exploration and combat that I think really affects the flow of combat and the effect of combat. Um, and I would say I, I do really, I liked picking up those little world building tidbits. There's some really cool ones. Um, but yeah, they, it is like. It is like they tried to have an ish in every single area. Like there's every area has got its own little like subplot that is just told through the environment and notes, which I think is I think is really cool. I I like that. But with the level design being more Mm -hmm. open, it resulted in me doing a lot of like 360s and then Mm -hmm. backtracking and checking rooms. And I ended up one thing I I did really want to talk about. um, I ended up enabling one of the many accessibility options. The game has a ton of accessibility options. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I haven't tried this because I 
don't I'm not low vision, but um, there you could apparently play it completely if you are blind. Um, with all of the like, the, there are there are robust accessibility options. The one that I ended up enabling um, was something called high contrast mode, so I could highlight collectibles because I was so tired oh. of. I would only turn it on once I had cleared a room because it highlights enemies also. And I, I didn't really want that because I wanted more challenge in the, the combat, not less. But so I would clear a room and then I would enable high contrast mode. And that way I wasn't bumping into stuff, trying to get the the, the prompt to trigger. Um, and that isn't the most elegant solution because it completely takes gets rid of all the textures and stuff. And so you're, you're taking taken out of the world. Um, so it's not the most graceful solution. There's also enhanced listening mode, which just lets you ping for items. I found that to be less effective, um, than high contrast mode. And I also didn't like that the prompt would uh, come up when I was just trying to use listen mode. Um, so yeah, the, the collectible finding encouraged me to kill all the enemies, but what, what, what do I get? out of that mm. so it, it's it was the whole thing yeah and you read a lot in this game you read a lot and i you read a lot i love i love that jake will tell you i love doing the boring shit i i'm like i'm gonna read every tool tip like I, I i'm gonna read every note i i read every journal entry you know like ellie has a journal and i loved it mm-hmm. um it really provides a lot of insight into her. Um, so like that, that's all fine. I took the time to read the journal and that didn't disrupt it. It was really just like the, okay, I've killed all the enemies in this area. Time to walk through the area again, scanning <laughs> for stuff um, yep. that I wasn't uh, in. A, uh, yes. Part of that is my play style, but part of that is just how the game encourages you by leaving these ish like stories in every area to keep looking for them. Um, so yeah, this has well, helped so much talking. About yeah, them. seriously. I think I can actually write my review. now. I know. <laughs> that doesn't spoil everything for sure. Um, we've been going on for a while now, but we also have a topic we want to get to and we have some listener questions, which I do want to get to this week because we didn't have a chance to do them last week. Um, so why don't we go through this topic fairly quickly? I feel like we've had a question similar to this, but the PlayStation 5 reveal event happens tomorrow. This goes up Friday. We don't know what's going to happen. I figure we can just kind of go around the room and share some predictions we might have. I can kick this off. My prediction is that we're going to see Horizon Zero Dawn 2. That's Ooh. that's the, the, the game that I think we're going to see. Ooh. I don't think it'll be a launch title. Maybe they'll say it's going to be a launch title, but I don't think that is a launch title game like i feel like it's going to be way too big to see day one um on the console but that's my big prediction uh whoever's got any other ones feel free to just jump in i think they're going to show the box for sure they got to show the box at this point yeah um i i i hope they show what last of us 2 looks like on a playstation 5 and know that that will eat into the 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 normal sales but i also think it might get people really excited for pre-orders in that way um, and I do think that we may get a run through of just like the minutia of how not necessarily the UI is going to look, but how those systems are going to interact with each other in a real way. So I'm hoping that that's going to be a thing in there, too. Uh, shit. Um, I want to see price. I don't think they're going to talk about price quite yet. Mm. Um, like uh, Ka said, we got to see got to see what it looks like. 
no sharp edges, please. Uh, <laughs> it hurts to move around my PS4 because I got delicate hands. Uh, but uh, I want to see what the box looks like. Uh, I think an important thing is showing some of the... Microsoft has been very good about communicating their quality of life features around the One X. Uh, not necessarily like, oh, this is this is our robust power or whatever, uh, but they've been really good about talking about what smart delivery is, how back compat's gonna work, uh, all the other features on the side, they're gonna make playing games on that system so much more easier and uh, a lot more enjoyable. Uh, so I wanna see Sony communicate some of that if that is part of the PS5, such as that create button. What What is that? Why did you change share to create? Does that mean I'm gonna be able to um, cut things up differently before I share them on social media. Can I, can I download premiere on my PS five? Hey, listen, if I can start working off my PS five, let's go. Um, but yeah, things around the edges, uh, in terms of games, I mean, they're going to show games. Uh, I just don't have any idea as to what they, what they will be. Maybe we'll see more Godfall or whatever, but, uh, I am personally more interested in how the PS five is going to function. I'm trash at predictions, unless they're Nintendo (laughs) predictions, in which case I am a psychic and I'm perfect. Um, Yeah, I I honestly, I really don't have a mind for marketing. So I just, I'm, I'm like, uh, maybe they'll show us some color options. Like, I I just think I'm so bad at it. Um, That's, that's all right. That's fine. But I'm looking, the other thing is, it's more complicated when it's like, oh, I've played a game that's not out. Are they going to show things that I know already? Like, the, uh, it's complicated. Mm-hmm. So, And also, I've just been, like, I haven't even been looking at stuff because I've been so busy trading items on Nookazon and then trying to <laughs> sort through my sadness about the apocalypse. <laughs> so, <laughs> meaning the game, um, not really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. could be interchangeable, though, with everything <laughs> going on. <laughs> Uh, All right, well, let's move on to listener questions then. If you've got any questions, you can email us at afterdarkpodcast at gamespot.com or you can join in the Discord server. Uh, We have a whole channel there where people can just ask questions and for the most part, we try to pull those questions. However, we are a bit behind because last week we ended up cutting that section. So we're going to go through some questions that may seem a little dated if you're a listener um, who submitted these questions. They were kind of a while ago. Uh, But anyway, Callie, do you want to read the first one? Sure. This is from Friedman on Discord. Um, I wanted to ask all of you guys, what do you believe the pros and cons are to video game journalism? I'm sure some of the pros are being able to play games early and to be some of the first people to see them before anyone else does. But on the other hand, it must be difficult having to tailor your thoughts so that they translate easily for viewers and readers. And do you feel any amount of pressure giving games people may be really looking forward to a certain score? I'm going to go first and say that I'm going to use the bathroom real quick and then y'all can deliberate amongst yourselves. I'm very sorry. <laughs> I will mute my mic. Good. Um, I will say that I think the pros for me um, have definitely been like the people that I meet doing this job. Um I, I this is gonna sound really sappy for a minute, so bear with me. I, I really did not have a lot of friends growing up. I didn't know a lot of other girls that played video games or who would admit to playing video games. Um, doing 
this line of work was the first time I was able to talk to other girls about games in a real way. Uh, and that was really powerful for me. Um, so that's a huge plus. I've met most of my favorite people through this job. So um, that has always been a big plus. I, I don't think about the getting games early thing too much just because I was never like, well, no, that's not true. I was like day one for certain games, but um, I, for me, there's way more pressure involved with getting a game early than there is benefit. And to the second question, um, the second part of this question, I absolutely do feel pressure. I, I don't let it affect me. Like I, I've never like given, like, like I wouldn't ever give a score just because I thought that's what people wanted to hear. But reviewing games has been a very, uh, it's a laborious um, experience and you often get more shit than you do your reward for it. And it's gotten to the point where I get anxiety before I publish anything. Um, and so, yes, I, I would say I absolutely feel a lot of pressure before reviewing a game. I feel pressure both from fans who I know are going to tweet at me and from people in the industry who tend to broadcast their opinion of a game ahead of time, like based on the promotional material. I don't know if you guys can relate to that, but the Twitter games media Twitter circle will kind of be talking about a game ahead of time. And I feel a lot of pressure like, oh, am I going to be considered an idiot for liking this game or like a rube or whatever. Um, it's, it's actually a very big issue in my, in my, my job is, um, navigating the stresses of the social pressures around mm -hmm. your opinion. Mm. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, uh, not fantastic that you feel that pressure, but fantastic you shared that. Um, I, I, it's the interesting part for, for a show like ours and for me as a person who's, um, Sem I still consider myself weirdly new to the industry in a lot of different ways, even though like over the years, it's probably like 10 years now from blog to podcast to doing all the stuff. Um, we were talking a little bit about access for things on another show. And I feel like for a smaller outfit like us, you feel an immense amount of pressure to, to do a review that will get you to the next review. Um, so that's a huge thing in there. I mean, it doesn't, it hasn't compromised any of my actual feelings towards this stuff, because if I'm giving you some kind of BS version of my thoughts, then it's not genuinely me or I'm kind of, I'm doing my, my audience a disservice, but I think it's absolutely there. And I totally agree with you, Kaylee, about the pressure that you put on yourself to one, finish a thing really quickly. Cause you have these really tight deadlines. Yeah. I remember death, death stranding was no joke getting that thing done in the amount of time that I was able to get it done while having a nine to five job and trying to be a reasonable husband, uh, and, <laughs> and all the other things. Um, so yeah, like you have a lot of pressure that just goes along with that part of it. But I do think that the, the benefits are again, the people that you get a chance to meet, um, it gave like being a journalist or, or being in the press and, and doing this kind of work and being on the media side, gave me an infinitely more uh, gave me infinitely more appreciation for the craft of making a game and for the people who do it in this industry uh it's the reason why gdc is my favorite gaming conference is mm -hmm. because you get to see all these brilliant human beings who could be using their brains for anything else making games for everybody at home 
uh, just for them to get crapped on. That's another conversation. But um, I think that's a huge part of it is getting a chance to, to meet some of your peers and getting a chance to meet some of your heroes and being able to have a voice where you might not have had a voice before, uh, which is huge for, for a lot of folks who are starting this work uh, in their initial phases of getting into the industry, especially. Um, and then having people like appreciate what you actually have to say is huge for a, a person who is, I'm an, I'm a huge introvert. Most people don't know that. Uh, but, you know, getting a chance to feel like you have a space to be able to emote and talk about a thing that you love, that you've grown up with for, God, at this point, 30 years for me, um, is huge and, and, and a big benefit to, to everyone who's in that space. So I, I often feel more lucky than anything to be able to be doing a thing I love and talking about a thing I love because a lot of people don't get a chance to do that. So um, that's that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah, uh, I'm back, by the way. Awesome. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny uh, to tie this back to Ka is that you asked me this question yeah. when I was on Spawn on Me. So I would encourage folks to, if you want to get my full answer, the, to go check out uh, Spawn on Me and multiple things that, uh, that Ka does there. But uh, I'll give it real quick because I know that we're um, we got still got more stuff to go through. But uh, pros like like Ka said, uh, the social aspect, meeting your peers, two, having a voice, uh, and then three, not just having a voice, but two. Uh, this can cut both ways in where my hobby is now my job. Mm. That can create some, and we a lot of people who do this talk about this a lot, uh, and it can cut both ways in that you don't necessarily get that separation from work. But for me, it's like, I'm going to play games on my free time regardless. And the, the fact that these experiences that I'm having on my own time that might not be an assignment is going to feed into my work in some way. In that regard, my free time is also more fulfilling. Mm -hmm. I think I like that a lot about being able to do this. Uh, and... Uh, also the, the social aspect is not just cause like, oh, we get to meet dope people and like chop it up at events and all that and turn up or whatever. But, uh, they, uh, the people I've been able to connect with have taught me a lot just by interacting with them. Uh, I also mentioned this as well, that, uh, folks that you like a lot of progressive voices in games media. And that's a definite pro for me because it's a learning experience. I talk about this when I mention you know, for example, my love for a game like Persona 4 Golden, I played in 2017, but I've learned so much since then because of the discourse, the genuine discourse that has happened between the time I played the game and now. Um, so, and then there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of folks that I follow have spoken up about multiple subjects about that and just listening to them, reading their work and hearing what they have to say has uh, made me grow as a person. Uh, so, and if you want to talk about cons, I mean, you know, the Twitter discourse this morning, bro, <laughs> this is me saying that is going to date itself. But I know. Yeah. Wait, you might want to say no what power. it is. The money discourse. Money. Yeah. yeah. The okay, money okay. discourse. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that's another thing too. But overall, like I'm, I, there's nowhere else I'd rather be. Nothing else I'd rather be doing. All right. Well, let's go on to the next question. Here Jake, from... you didn't answer. <laughs> I, I, everyone gave such great answers. I don't know if I'll be able to top those. I mean, I mean, for the most part, I would mimic the fact that like I've met so many great people doing this and it, it was always so, cause growing up, like I had a lot of friends who played games, but they weren't super into games, uh, or frankly, a lot of friends who didn't play games at all. Cause they're like, Oh, that's, that's nerdy. So I've always kind of like, 
that's been a hobby of mine that I kind of didn't really wear on my sleeve at all. I was like, oh yeah, I play some games and when I have free time, but like being at this job, I thought was really cool because it seems like almost everyone shares the same passion. And like a lot of people I meet at different events and conventions and whatnot have that same passion. So it's really exciting to be able to talk about like, like the discussion we just had with the last of us is something that I probably wouldn't have had otherwise. Like I would have maybe listened to some podcasts. Like I remember when the first game came out like the only discussions i had about that game were just me listening to people talk about it so it's really cool to be able to have that discussion with people who think critically about games and think more about games than just like oh yeah games are fun like Mm -hmm. that is incredibly rewarding and it's definitely one of my favorite things uh one of the cons i would say is oh man I, i i think just a lot of the uh Kind of like what Michael was saying, a lot of the discourse that happens in the industries can be a lot, um, especially on Twitter. Uh, like, I definitely, I feel like at least a couple times a year, I just have to delete Twitter, step away from it, and like just, <laughs> just get some distance. Because if I think too hard about a lot of it, I get frustrated, whether it's people just being, I don't know, like clueless or like just people getting mad at my friends and stuff because they gave a game a certain score and they didn't read the review. Like that's something that frustrates me beyond belief. Uh, and that is a big reason why I a lot of times have to step away from Twitter. Uh, just cause I know how much work people put into their reviews. Like Callie puts so much work into her reviews. Michael puts so much work into her, his reviews and then people will just gravitate towards the score and then they'll get a ton of shit over it. And that is that pisses me off a lot. Uh, and I wish we could do away with scores or something, or I wish people would just be more respectful. Um, because that is something like, to be fair, that's something I didn't really think about too. When I was just looking at IGN and GameSpot and stuff before I worked here, I didn't realize how much time went into that. And I think part of that is because I'm like, Oh, they just play a game and then they write a couple thousand words about it. But in actuality, it's like, that's all you're doing for a very short period of time. And then you have to decompress. You have to reflect on it. You have to figure out what you're going to write about. Then you have to structure it. You have to like, it it is grueling. It is absolutely grueling. And I think the abuse that people get over it is, is frustrating. But anyway, (laughs) that's what I hear from Jake. (laughs) Uh, I don't even get it. Cause like I review games like once every so often two so, years yeah no so i you just i don't reviewed, get much of it you reviewed xenoblade chronicles definitive edition you also reviewed the witcher 3 on switch i oh, did that's true, yeah i did uh but those were like well xenoblade chronicles i was worried about because the fans can be very vocal yeah. and mad yes. about that but witcher i was like not super concerned about because it was like i've played this game eight times I know I know this game like the back of it. All I'm doing is just seeing how it runs and pretty much writing about how it still holds up. So that I was a little less concerned about. Um, but occasionally, like, we'll get videos where someone will be very earnest and, like, like uh, Jordan did a video about uh, Gamerscore and how Xbox can hopefully kind of rework that. And it got so much crap on YouTube. And it was just, oh, like, sure. it was, like, a very short, like, made a lot of sense. He was like, hey, I'm tired of games having like achievements that are worth three gamer score and messing everything up. And I was like, and I it was relatable. I was like, it was so yeah. relatable. Like that drives me crazy too. I totally get it. And, and then of course it comes out and everyone's like, like 
just shitting on it and it's just like come on like it anyway <laughs> i i do yeah. want to say one thing on on the money aspect um just because like that has been a conversation that people have been having this week and i don't want to totally uh gloss over it i actually mm -hmm. did want to wait for michael to to be back to talk about it um i i think you know there's a lot of variation in pay in the industry there, there doesn't really seem to be like a standard like here's what you can expect to make at this level the levels at different websites are all different titles mean different things at some website associate editor is like a really high position at GameSpot, it is a junior position um or like a juniorish position so it, mm -hmm. it is very confusing yeah. there's there's really not a, a standardized way to look at it so that's part of it but i think a big thing is you know we talk about how passionate we are and we talk about how like we're basically working in our free time because like I can come to work the next day or open my laptop the next day lately and be like, like with Nookazon, I've been doing Nookazon like in all in my free time. And now I'm like, I, now I have an article idea. Mm. And so that does turn. It, it's not like it's not free time. It, I think mm -hmm. it does in many, t many ways make it more fulfilling because you feel like, okay, I'm actually being a little productive. Like I'm not totally wasting my life. Like everyone told me I was for my whole childhood. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but the thing about that, that you have to be careful of if you're thinking about entering this industry is that a company will want to take advantage of you feeling lucky to do it. And I tell people when they ask me this all the time, you don't ever do work for free because your work is worth something. Your time is worth something. And this is a, an issue across the industry and, and frankly, across many in industries in mm -hmm. this late capitalist across, country. Yes, across <laughs> capitalism. Um, but I want to encourage you, like, it, you, yes, it is a really cool job and it is awesome in so many ways, but it is still work. And don't ever let an editor or a company make you feel like you should just be lucky for a pittance. Um, I think that's a, a big issue in this yeah, industry. And, and I think kind of to just jump off that, like if you are, if you're in a position where you feel like you have to work over a weekend or something like that or work extra, I, I think it's super important to think like, what, what am I going to get out of this too? Cause that's something I've been doing a lot because when I started this job, I worked all the time. Uh, and now it's like come to that point where like, yeah, I do play games in my free time. Like currently I'm trying to get all the collectibles in the last of us. And I've been doing that a lot in my free time, but I'm asking myself too, like, am I just doing this? because it's my job for GameSpot, or am I going to get something out of this myself? And if I answer yes to that, like, yes, I am getting something out of it myself, then it's like, okay, there's, I may not getting paid for this time, but there is a purpose that I have found in it. But if it's like, okay, like there's this game that we need coverage of or whatever, and, it, and, and I'm playing it on the weekend, and I'm like, there's so many things that I should be doing right now besides this, then I'm like very quick to be like, all right, this is not what I should be doing. I'm going to step away and wait until I am on the clock. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that, that was pretty inside baseball, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's yeah. great. But I think it, it, it helps that. contextualize what we do. Yeah. Um, next question. We'll keep this one short. This is from Foggy Bear. Yeah. Uh, he says, let's switch it up. Give songs, albums, or artists you've been listening to as of late. Uh, 
why don't we just do like one artist or album each so we can move sure. on to the next question yeah. and then we'll wrap this up. Okay. Shouts out to Foggy Bear. Foggy yeah, Bear, Foggy Bear that's is my awesome. guy. That's my guy. He's, uh, uh, he's so. been streaming a lot recently on Twitch. Yeah, I, I actually I, peeped the stream. Yeah, I, I've, yeah. I've been watching it every now and then. <laughs> Check it out. Check it out. He's really good. Yeah, yeah. Foggy Bear is dope. Um, so I, this actually ties uh, someone else uh, that we know. Uh, uh, Funke Joseph. Yeah. I want to yeah, talk, talk about Cat Dog. All right. So Funke and... Uh, he has a um, a partner that he uh, collaborates with to make that makes up Cat Dog, and Cat Dog is a a rap duo. They also produce their own stuff and sample a lot of video game music. And I don't, oh man, damn, I don't know what to say. For like, for context, Funke is a freelance writer in the industry. Yeah. Funke has done a lot of really great work for Gamespot and a lot of really great work elsewhere. You might have seen him mm-hmm. on. I think he was on Beyond at IGN very yeah. recently. Um, he wrote a fantastic piece about um, representation in Animal Crossing, um, and he does reviews uh, on top of that. So. Um, Shout out to him. But he also appear- didn't tell me <laughs> that he's also really cool in the music scene. Oh, my God. So I go to bandcamp.com slash cat dog, uh, cat dog tracks, actually, T-R-A-X. And it's just like this mellow vibe of like hip hop. That's it's funny as shit. Like it's the f- the lyricism is so creative and it's goddamn it's hilarious yo and the instrumentals are on point it's so oh, it's so good and it, it's kind of like uplifting because i i found out about it uh just like through his twitter profile i was like oh he funky been talking about music i'm gonna t- check out cat dog and then it was just like this this sereneness and it was just so jolly and it made me it uplifted me that like this it is so relaxing and it's funny as hell. Oh my God. Y'all need to check out cat dog tracks. Uh, so shouts out to Funke. Thank you for that. That's dope. Yeah. Um, I've got, I've been listening to RTJ four a lot, which I've been enjoying. And then also crooked still, um, just cause of a game I played recently. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, me, I've been listening to a bunch of K Tronada. I just go back into that bag because it's super good. And, and little brother has been getting me through the past week. So, uh, mad little mad LB love, uh, out in the world for them too. Um, I have been on this weird Fleetwood Mac kick, but I only listen to songs that Stevie Nicks wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love that. That's great. And it wasn't even on purpose. It's just the ones that I like happen to be the ones she wrote. <laughs> so, uh, one thing about Cat Dog is uh, so the um, album is "What's the Vibe." That's my favorite uh, Cat Dog album, and my favorite song off of "What's the Vibe" EP is "Fatal Bird." Uh-huh. Look at that, Ooh, Fatal Bird. <laughs> Work. All right, uh, we've got one more question here. What do y'all think? We've been going for. Almost in a, over an hour and a half now. Uh, yeah, I think it's super quick. All right. Yeah. This is this. this sure. I wanted to have Michael on when we answered this question. That's why I put it okay. on uh, last week, but you guys didn't get to it. Uh, so maybe we'll just have you answer this question, Michael, because I think you're sure. probably you're the most equipped. The def- definitely the most qualified. Oh, no. uh, oh, no. But anyway, this one's from Caleb. 
Athavong. Hey everyone, oh, hope damn, you're all well. I'm currently building my first ever PC, just impatiently waiting for all my parts to arrive. Entirely new, entirely new to PC gaming, so I was wondering if you had any tips you may have for a PC, and what are some PC games you'd recommend? I already plan on playing Disco Elysium, of how highly you praise it, and because of how highly you <laughs> because of how highly you praised it, and my graphics card come with a Monster Hunter Iceborne. My graphics <laughs> card comes with Monster Hunter Iceborne. Also, I was wondering about joining that. Oh, I hope I sent them a Discord invite. I'm going to send them a Discord invite. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's the question. Ah, uh, damn. Uh, what kinds of tips do you have for PC and what kind of PC? Uh, update damn. your drivers. <laughs> yeah, update your drivers. It's, it's, it's always going to be a, be a damn thing that you have to worry about. Um, in terms of... Oh, shit. You know, it's it's gotten to the point where uh, everything is kind of cross-platform in terms of releases, like everything is almost multi-platform, but I think that the, the kind of staples of PC gaming, um, if you want to get into MMOs, I have this game called Final Fantasy 14. <laughs> All right, I'm going to cut no, you off. Like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but real talk, like if you want to try something that's very specific to PCs, uh, maybe and if you're interested, try to find an MMO that works for you. Uh, I know consoles have adapted that, but it's a very different experience on PC. Um, I think, uh, you know, giving exclusives such as like Counter-Strike uh, a shot to see if that's like your vibe because they've come out on consoles, but it's totally not the same. There are, there are games that specifically need to be played on PC. Uh, and as the years have gone on, that's been less and less the case. Uh, but you do, if you have a high-end PC, you definitely get the best experience, in my opinion. Uh, so yeah, definitely check those those kinds of things out. Um, you know, MOBAs. If you're, I'm not into MOBAs. I'm not into MOBAs, but you might be. Uh, and those are also PC exclusive types of games, such as League of Legends. I don't know how I feel about that, but <laughs> two, uh, here's the storm, things like that. RTSs. Like if this is your first ever PC build, uh, fuck with some RTSs, real time strategy games first to see if that's your thing as well, uh, because there are again. There are console versions of RTSs, but they are not the same experience as having a keyboard and mouse. So, like, check out, like, Command & Conquer. They just remastered some of the early games. Uh, it's, some people will say it's kind of a dead-ish genre, but that doesn't negate the fact that real-time strategies have such a rich history. Uh, so definitely check that out. Games like Total War that are also PC exclusive uh, that you won't get on consoles. See if that's your thing. If none of that clicks, then you still have the strongest platform to play multi-platform games. Um, and multiplayer shooters, I personally think they're the best once you get used to the keyboard and mouse, such as I play Apex on uh, on PC. Uh, keyboard and mouse is where it's at. Like it Siege makes on once PC. You, Siege on PC, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it just makes the things that you need to do in those games so much more fluid. Uh, so you're less fighting with the controls and more doing the things that you want to do. So definitely dip your toes in some of those PC-specific uh, genres. But then, you know, try out some shooters and see if you like that experience a lot more on PC. Uh, but otherwise, hey, hit, hit Monster Hunter Iceborne. Hit up Final Fantasy fourteen. There's a free trial up until level 35. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Word on the street is I'm paying for subscriptions. I don't know if that's true. Let me know what's up. Especially Kevin Athavong. Hey. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's a that's a Lao last name. So shouts out to my jungle Asians uh, out there. 
And uh, yeah, hit me up if you have any other questions, because this is uh, actually like a really good question for those who are dipping their toes into an all new platform with so many possibilities. Real quick addition to that, as a former IT professional, back up all your stuff. Ooh. Back up your system. As soon as you get it to this place, as soon as you build it out and you have all of the apps and all that stuff, back it up, put that thing on a drive and put it in a drawer somewhere where you can find it later. Saves your behind numerous, mm-hmm. numerous times. That's back it up like too. a dump um, truck. I also want to give a shout out to my favorite games to play on PC, which are Management Sims, City Builders, and Strategy Games. Um, yes. They, I vastly prefer them on PC. Obviously, like, if The Sims is your thing, you want to do that on PC. Um, like, these kinds of games were the reason I, I played on PC growing up. So I love tycoon mm-hmm. games. You could play, like, Planet Zoo. You could do Civilization. You could you could fuck with city skylines. Um, all sorts of stuff. And um, I think we should give a special shout-out to Divinity Original Sin 2, uh, which Facts. did get a 10 out of 10 on GameSpot, so... That's another one that I, I think is very well suited to PC specifically. That game's yeah. great. One too. more thing. Yeah. I one thing I do want to add, I mods. Uh, mods Ooh. are a lot of fun mm. on PC. Look yes. for look for a game that you may really like that you played on PlayStation or whatever. Like, like Stardew Valley. Like Stardew Valley or for me, The Witcher <laughs> is a good one. Or yeah. Fallout. because uh, like yeah. you you can you can make that game whatever the hell you want it to be. <laughs> that you is true. Have, like more often than not, I download all these mods, play for 20 minutes and I'm like, nah, but like sometimes you'll find something and you'll be like, holy shit, this is really fun. And then you'll just yes. get sucked back into it. Uh, the Witcher yep. three with all of the mods, like they're kind of small, but like basically you can make a very cinematic version of that game which i had a lot of fun playing really quick before mike jumps back in one of the <laughs> coolest games to actually mod that i did not know until very recently is nba 2k Ooh. actually it's oh, really, really good to mod that game out because one the character models are kind of booty butt cheeks if you, they did not get to, <laughs> to butt get a chance yeah. to, to, to scan them in correctly so people have been doing the work of re-upping really good facial uh, good faces for people and you can change the way that the whole ui looks to make it replicate or mimic the stuff you see on on broadcast tv as well so that's a really cool thing that you'll be able to do from a 2k perspective for sure uh, the last thing I'm going to say about this is that keep in mind that PC, PC's backlog goes back to forever. All right. This is in a console generation. You go back to the games that came out like in the 90s, 80s, whatever. So try and seek out some of the like the, the games that have been regarded as the most pivotal games in uh, history or whatever. Uh, and give them a shot, even though they may might be dated or whatever. I think that it's also if you're into P- now that you have a PC that can play games, it's important to like try and look back and see some of those classics. One thing, one game that I'll say off the top of my head is Deus Ex, which was my favorite game for a very long time. That hasn't had a proper console port. It came out on PS2, but it wasn't the same. Uh, and that game has a ton of mods, or whatever, to make it feel a little bit more modern, but. Keep in mind that the, those are like games like System Shock 2, you can still play and uh, Black Mesa. Uh, Black Mesa, A, hey, they redid all of Half Life, so, and Half Life is such an important game, especially now, uh, nowadays. So, definitely look into that, see if anything piques your interest there. So, nice. all right, well, I think that's a good spot to end episode 45 yep. of GameSpot After Dark. Thank you all so much for listening, and thank you, Khalif, for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure to have you here. Happy we this finally is... got it, got it working. 
It was so much fun. You're all amazing. I'm so happy to get a chance to rock with y'all. So again, thank you so much for having me. And please, if you have an open spot, please let me come through and I can say booty butt cheeks at least three more times hey, <laughs> on, on the show. My man, my mellow, to me. smooth kind of fellow right here. Thank you, uh, sir. Do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, feel free to lay it all out. Let's hear it. Let's hear what you got. <laughs> Yeah, I've been on God knows how many things this past week. Uh, again, you know, thank you to everyone who's letting me jump on your show and hijack it for at least the, the time that I've been there. So thank you to everybody who's doing that work. Uh, I'll be on Beyond uh, next week as well. So that'll be a lot of fun over on, on IGN's uh, podcast network, a.k.a. the big the big show over there, too. Um uh, what else am I doing? Uh, we have a front page thing that we're doing on Twitch. And of course, the stuff over at YouTube, uh, our latest show, uh, A Lesson in Blackness, has gone, I guess, viral uh, in some ways. Uh, a lot of folks have been on that uh, conversation and, and kind of pushing that thing as well. So a lot of, a lot of love to everyone who's been giving me love, showing Spawn on me love. And, and figuring out good ways to showcase the, the conversations we've been having. So again, thank you to everyone here at GameSpot. Y'all a fam. You always you always come through and always give me love when I get a chance to rock with y'all. So uh, again, thank you so much for for, for having me on and, and hanging. It was it was awesome to see Spawn on me on the front page of Twitch too. I don't even think yeah. I saw the tweets. I just like logged on to Twitch and I was like, Holy shit! They got the, they got it going on the front page. <laughs> well, well, I mean, you all were the first folks to give us front page love. To, to be honest, to, to give us a, a place to be able to have this conversation with the huge audience that that you all have. So I, I owe you all a big a uh, bunch of credit for for that work um, and understanding that we we were trying to do something very different in the space. So thank you very much for that, and uh, and massive love to you and the rest of the crew. Thank and you. thank you, yeah, thank you for making it. Thank um, you. It's it's been a week. Yeah, it certainly has. <laughs> I it's funny because like I know we've been talking to to you about coming on the podcast for a while and it's like yeah. of course it's coming during like the big biggest busiest week you've had. Like oh finally we have an open spot. But we swear we it was part of the plan all along. We have been in talks for long periods of time everyone in the GameSpot community. It's not because of just that show. But uh, but, but it was really awesome that you guys did that and um it's just even better that you're able to talk about it on After Dark now and and get even more attention to it for those who didn't get to see. Thank you. Thank I, you. Uh, thank you again. I, listen, I did really, I, I did really appreciate how in that episode you were like, "They'll never put this on the front page. Like this just isn't something <laughs> Twitch puts on the front page." And I was watching it on the front page when that happened, and I was like, "All right, let's go, chat." <laughs> hey, you got to talk things into existence. That's the yeah. thing about the industry: you talk things into existence, and they sometimes happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. Um, Callie, what about you? What do you want to? Uh, where can people find you? What are you working on? I mean, the big one we've already talked about, but yeah. Obviously, uh, I would love for you all to read my Last of Us review. Um, this one Spoiler doesn't have free. spoilers, so it's safe. Um, and obviously, you just listen to us talk about it, but it'll be the polished version of what you heard. So, um, I mean, it is. It's totally done already. Um, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Ikidojiko, I-N-K-Y-D-O-J-I-K-K-O. Again, I, God, I wish I could change that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I guess just thank you all for listening. Um, and 
to those who have been joining for Play For All, um, we did something on Monday and we got a ton of donations to both Black Lives Matter and to direct relief for COVID. So thank you again to everybody who joined in for that. We're still doing it over the next couple of weeks. Um, and so we're just encouraging people to support those causes. Um, it's something that we've, you know, been doing internally and um, we really believe in it. So uh, yeah, that's, not I'm not on a lot of the play for all stuff, but that's something that I would love for everybody to check out. Michael, how about you? You can find me and all of my bullshit at Michael P. Hyam on Twitter. Uh, I am I am wilding out on Twitter, man. <laughs> you know the fucking vibes. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think that you know I actually want to spend this time to say that y'all should seek out black voices. I said this on the previous podcast, and I say this on the other podcast. I think I should, I've been saying, uh, saying it for a while, but there are so many great creators, um, just some, for some stars, obviously spawn on me. I mean, I got to collab with Khalif again. Hey, look at us. Look at us. <laughs> Who would have thought? Not, not me. Not me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like black girl gamers are out there. Uh, I love gaming Illuminati. Shouts oh. out to TBH, the black Okage. TBH. Uh, yeah. TBH. Tanya DePass is one of like someone that I value. I value very much. Uh, in terms of like what she has to say about the industry overall. So uh, definitely seek, still seek those voices out no matter what's, what's happening in the world, what time it is. Uh, seek them out because they're out there and they're doing a lot of good work. So that's it. Cool. And uh, did, you, did you plug your Twitter, Khalif? Did you want to do that? Oh, uh, Kajakins, K-H-J-A-H-K-I-N-S. Uh, Kins makes it cute. Uh, and uh, <laughs> at, at Spawn on Me uh, is the show Twitter. So you can find us there on all podcast platforms. YouTube, Instagram is Spawn on Me Podcast. If you want to come see me, uh, Thirst Trap uh, myself out in the world. And that's not true. Don't go over there and see that because that's not <laughs> what? what happens on, on this. <laughs> what? Nobody, no, wants to see, nobody wants to see my big ass rolling around. <laughs> that might be, that's the only way I get to people's islands is just like do Thirst Trap <laughs> pictures up in the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I laughed and then I so hard I coughed. <laughs> well, anyway, that's been episode 45 of GameSpot After Dark. Thank you all so much for watching, and we will see you next week.